Welcome to Stock Odds Odds and End podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen getting ready for the final week of April ahead here. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Too bad. Hey, I guess we're heading into the last uh, week of April and we've got a full five-day seasonality uh, within the week. Mm-hmm. And it culminates on Friday, the last trading day of the month. Uh, with um, some key numbers. Well, Thursday and Friday, both key numbers. You can talk about that. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's start with a review here of what happened last Friday, well, yesterday, and also um, what happened on the week. So on Friday, uh, we had Amazon up 3.03%. Uh, AT&T was up 323 uh, PG 3.46, Lily 2.78. It's really been like that all week with um, these pockets of sort of like, you know, Johnson Johnson was down, Lily was up, right? Uh, Amazon uh, was up. Um, some other retailers were down, uh, you know, like in the household and consumer defensive, you had, you know, it's just, it's all mixed, right? Um but there were some groups on Friday, like insurance and banks, especially the regional banks. Um, now I know some funds out there are picking them up on a discount and betting that uh, the future is still bright for these banks. But um, and we had a lot of them come off the bottom. But asset managers, banks, insurance were kind of soft on Friday. Uh, some of the healthcare plans, UNH, CVS, um, soft on Friday. Industrials were soft. Uh, Energy had pulled back a little bit. We were starting to fill that gap um, that we had from, you know, the OPEC announcement. So we've been trading into that gap on oil, um, and it's been affecting some of those. Schlumberger had earnings, and it was it was down 4.17 percent on Friday. Um, and for the week, the weekly performance. Amazon still holding up for the week, 4.34%. Google was down for the week at 3.18. Meta was down 3.88. Again, in the healthcare space, UNH was down 5.46. Cisco Cisco was down 6.95. ConocoPhillips down 5.75. So looking at the uh, groups overall for the week, consumer defensive did hold up the best at 1.59% real estate. That was, a, that was an interesting comeback tour for real estate there, up 1.54% for the week. And um, industrials, you know, up less than a percent. Um, on the negative side, basic materials got hit with a bit of the rising dollar, uh, 2.63% down for the week. Energy down 2.66. Again, I mentioned that some of the the premium was coming out of that OPEC announcement, which, uh, by the way, that that wasn't going to start till middle of May anyway, so or May 11th or something like that. So uh, it it makes sense that it, you know it jumped on the announcement and it's been hanging in there and it's just starting to fill the gap. So it'll be kind of curious um, once it fills the gap completely whether it will bounce bounce back up, especially if the timing coincides with the uh, OPEC uh, cuts actually starting. So energy was down 2.66 for the week, and then communication services down 2.72%. Um, and but that you know that was uh, kind of up for the like the three month. We had technology up 10.58, uh, 
Well, actually, let's just go to the year to date, see where we're at here. Um, year to date performance technology up 18.11, communications, which includes the comeback of, you know, sort of the meta and stuff like that, up 17.47. Consumer cyclical, which includes uh, Tesla and things like that, 12.08% for year to date. Uh, and uh, the ones that have been suffering the most year to date, obviously, energy down 1.24, utilities down 0.55, real estate down 0.36, financials only up 1.2. So that kind of uh, gives you that backdrop. Again, what it really ties to with the top performers this year so far goes back to being the worst performers last year. Simple as that. People coming back in, expecting that maybe we hit peak inflation, expecting that we heat and we're, we're near sort of the Fed ultimate hike target and, you know, sustained hikes that, you know, that we're, we're kind of looking past all that. And we're, we're factoring in, you know, maybe uh, more of a soft landing and maybe more of a pivot uh, from the Fed on the dovish side uh, with all the other things that are going on. So that's, that's why the market had this appetite to uh, go back into these beat up sectors and it makes perfect sense. And so on that note, I just want to add a little bit of education here. When you're looking for opportunities ahead of even what we had on Friday, which was expiration, you're looking for things that may show positive expectation for that Friday for expiration. We have that on our seasonality calendar, our almanac. You're looking for those symbols that were potentially very discounted, expecting to be, you know, moving positively from, you know, during the day, either close to close or even open to close. And the same thing on the premium side. You're looking for those things that may have gotten way ahead of itself and um, may have an opportunity to pay, pull back. I did uh, showcase on the YouTube broadcast on Friday that, uh, you know, the symbols that were on that seasonality almanac for the expiration Friday, uh, as as a aggregate, everything was was positive and uh, we had some good performance just from that without putting any other ducks in a row, just using the seasonality almanac. So now Dave's going to talk about this week to come here. First of all, what are the economic reports? And I, we have way too many earnings to cover. You can pick out a few of the, you know, highlights, the most ones. And then um, the seasonality, uh, you know, sector performance is expected for this five days because this is the last five days of April, and uh, you know, it's been pretty historic that it unfolds this way. Um, we've had a couple weird years like the. Uh, 2020 COVID thing and all that. But um, anyway, you take it away, Dave. Yeah, in terms of economic reports and Fed speak, Monday, nothing eventful. Tuesday, things around housing. We have the Case Shiller Home Price Index and new home sales, two reports that um, affect the housing industry stocks. Wednesday, we have durable goods orders, um, retail inventories, and wholesale inventories. That gives us uh, insight into how um, companies are spending on durable goods. Thursday is a good GDP and initial jobless claims. 
And on Friday, we have personal income, PCE index, core PCE index, so some inflation data as well. So the themes for the week are going to be housing, um, durable goods, orders, expenditures, GDP, how it's holding up, and then um, some inflation data on Friday. In terms of uh, earnings, there's just a lot this week. Um, um, things like Coca-Cola, Philips, um, Whirlpool. Tuesday, a big one is Microsoft. And um, I mean, there's just, you, you name it. It seems like everybody's reporting in one week, Visa. And then Wednesday, we have Meta. That's a big one. And then on, let's see here. Thursday is Amazon. And there's like maybe a few hundred uh, key earnings out of the S&P 500 in addition to that. So some big cap uh, earnings along with some housing data are, in, are the reports. And in terms of the seasonality almanac, the last five days are minus 0.06% for the S&P 500 and minus 0.36% for the, the NASDAQ. But the final day, the final day of the month, is expected to be almost down 1% for NASDAQ and S&P 500. So of the entire five-day window, the S&P is pretty much flat to slightly down with most of the, the expected downturn that final day of the month, which makes, which makes sense because of all the uh, sell in May and go away kind of thinking. But it's actually sell before May and go away. Yeah, the market factors and everything that it knows or can anticipate. So kind of moving ahead of ahead of things, right? That's a big down day, 1% for that final day of April on average. Yeah, ab absolutely. And there may there may be a turn of the month effect. And the thing is, you know, it may not, may not play out as people expect. Um, it may be the opposite. We may have a rally. I know volatility's uh, really been shrinking mm -hmm. a lot. And um and that's important to to think about. You know what? Uh, one, one more uh, thing here. Going on and, um, hmm? Yeah, one more thing here. So, in the last day, last five days of the month, the sectors that are expected to do better are things like oil, financials, and home builders (XHB). And some weaker sectors are the biotechs (XBI, IBB), um, the big beta stocks like ARK, KK, and healthcare. So, those are the weaker ones. Yeah. All right. Um, just want to point out um, what's been happening with the dollar. And um, on the daily chart, we've um, we're kind of sitting very close to our February lows. Um, and it did make a slightly lower low in um, April, on April 14th. Well, 13th and 14th, actually. And then um, it's been up a little bit from that. But as, as it was kind of, um, you know, made that transition, it, it did kind of affect the gold uh, situation. Um, and gold has uh, been quite elevated. I really recommend to look at a monthly chart going back, you know, to 2000 and just see, you know, how. Gold performed all the way into, you know, 2008, and then um, built on that when, you know, quantitative easing started on March the 9th of 2009. Um, you know how how uh, with the QE emphasis and basically printing money and so on, and how gold 
rallied all the way up to a high in 2011 and then pulled back um, during the years of 2014 to 2019, but pretty pretty stable sideways. And then in uh, with the COVID shock, it started to rally again. And we're sitting up, you know, pretty close to those highs that was set uh, in 2020. And so it's it's staying quite elevated. So think about that in terms of, you know, the appetite for people uh, for gold when there's concerns over the printing of the of the US dollar essentially, right? And when the dollar's purchasing power declines or when the dollar declines in general, um, the price of gold uh, usually goes up. So um, keep your eye on that specifically because um, there's a good opportunity to buy some of these pullbacks when you have a, a short-term blip up in the dollar. Um, the gold will be discounted, and um, you know some of the there's some great opportunity. I, I think uh, on one of the broadcasts I talked about the um, long and short gold. Just if you don't want to take a direction on the market, you know, in a particular sector, you can find uh, statistical uh, trades, both long and short from within the sector, and that can give you some great opportunity. Um, and if you get a good discount at the open, you could just deploy the longs before you deploy the shorts or something like that. So, um, let's see, energy. Um, yeah, we had that, that big move up. We went into a channel. And we started to break out of the channel to the upside, but that that failed at a at a particular resistance area. Resistance area was in the 83 to 84 level on the West Texas crude, which has a little bit more leadership emphasis now than Brent. And then we pulled back and we're sitting at 77.95. And it's not quite filled the gap because we had a close of 75.67. So we got a couple, two and a half points to the downside still to fill that gap completely, which may happen this this coming week. What was the energy sector for seasonality this week? Dave? Yeah, it's um plus two point one, so like two point four percent for for XOP, and also yeah, that's that's one of the one of the top uh, ETFs. Okay. For the five days. So it. Uh, the seasonality is there to support it, um, but again, we may we may want to see this gap filled before it, and, and that would be interesting if it kind of opened lower on Monday or Tuesday and filled the gap and then uh, turned and went back up. So we'll allow for that for sure. Um, and it's, I mean, anything can happen over the course of a week, obviously. Now, on that note of weekly uh, opportunities, we had a we had a list uh, that we produce that's five-day swing trade and 10 longs and 10 shorts. Now, some of those had earnings for the week. So I know it can be really tough to swing trade something into earnings because it's one of the fundamental things that we teach is that, you know, try to avoid stocks three days before and at least two days after, after their the settlement window. 
try to uh, try to avoid them because you know you don't want to get in caught in this sort of story stocks and trying to interpret the earnings and you never know what's going to happen. So it is a it is a big consideration and it may be part of your trading framework that you just remove earnings altogether. Okay, in this case uh, for this past week on our list, there was a couple longs in there that had earnings and a few shorts like Schlumberger was one of the shorts. FCX, and you know they uh, ended up moving a lot. Now volatility was shrinking in general, um, and so you do want to take advantage of stuff that's moving around. I mean, it's a natural progression. It's like when volatility's declining, things move around less. Your long short lists are more stable, and but if you get these opportunities, so one choice would be, you know. Remove them from the overnight, but maybe keep an eye on them for for the day session. Another thing would be let's leave them in and and take you know take that risk. So what would be the considerations for taking that risk? It depends on the context of how the you know how the stock performed in the previous week. So let's say that earnings is coming up on Tuesday for symbol XYZ. And it's in our five-day swing trade list. We would look at how did that perform the previous week? Because information these days leaks out. There's probably at least 10 people within a major company that are involved in producing an earnings release. Okay? There's there's going to be potential for that information to get leaked or get spied on and stolen, whatever. I mean, there's potential for that information to, to leak out, which means that there could even be families and friends of, of the people that work there that somehow are privy to information. That's what we've seen over the years, and it's only gotten more pronounced in the information age and the te high technology age that we're in. So we assume that anything that's going to become public is in and is in the process of moving to becoming public, that's, that leaks of information occur. So therefore, that could translate into stocks moving ahead of the actual announcement. So if you have a stock that's up, and it's going to have earnings coming, you know, on Tuesday. Um, it could still be a good candidate for a short side, and the reason is this: that it might have been getting priced like to perfection, or or everything getting priced in. So if you see that sort of elevated streak, that elevated trend, that still could be a great short candidate, even though it has earnings, because if it meets expectations, chances are the stock will drop because it's already priced in. And it's like, well, now we know the news. There's nothing exciting here. It's as expected. If this, if if it misses earnings, you could have a great overnight trade like in your swing trade. It could drop a lot. And we saw that um, this week with some of the uh, symbols um, on our short side. They paid off on Friday on earnings. Um, and uh, even some of the longs paid off uh, day one and day two on earnings. So. Um, there's this opportunity 
Now, if something's discounted and it's one of your longs, you know, and it's and it's like there've been a lot of warnings. There's maybe the company itself is even warned, you know, and there's been a lot of pressure on that stock and it's very discounted. If that thing beats earnings, it's going to pop a lot, right? If it meets earnings, it's probably still going to do okay. If it misses earnings as expected or maybe even worse, yeah, it might go down a little bit. But it also might be an opportunity for you to add a layer at some point because of the buy side nature of the market. People do look for discount more than they do for premium. I mean, how many people, how many analysts come out and say, short the stock? You know, how many analysts come out and say, sell? No, they're more like, buy, buy more, buy a whole bunch or hold, <laughs> right? There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of just outright sells. So um, my point is because of the nature of the market, you can use the context of the, the previous week and how something's arriving at its earnings date as part of your decision-making process. So how, what we would do is you go to stock odds and you get your statistical information and then you would check your list for earnings, upcoming earnings, and then based on the decision to, to take those symbols that are statistically generated might depend on the context of how the symbol has gotten to where it is in our statistical approach knowing that earnings are coming up. So it because it's had a streak up, because it's had a, a run up, you know, stock odds might be saying this is a great short candidate for mean reversion. Well, if it has earnings coming up, that could be the the exact catalyst that that mean reverts it, that drops it back. So that might be the catalyst that brings it back, even though the statistics were saying that anyway. So I just want to put some some color and some context on that because I think that's a really important educational point. Um, and so, you know, the same the same thing is uh, with the the different sectors. You know that, uh, like like I said, we mentioned oil. Oil popped up huge on the OPEC announcement of something they were doing in the future. That's what the market tends to do. Prices it in, and so you can be kind of dumb in a sense to to this thinking. Oh, OPEC's going to cut. OPEC's going to cut. So therefore, oil has to continue to go up. No, it already had its move, and now we're in the waiting until the event eventually comes to fruition. And during that phase, you have to allow for, you know, oil to come out uh, or the profits profits to be taken. You know, some some disinterest, some you know, well, hey, I, I want to buy other stuff, so I'm going to sell this stuff. So you have to allow for that. Okay. Anything else on your uh, screen there, uh, Dave? No, that's it. There's tons of earnings, but yeah. Well, I mean, the the big report initial jobless came claims on Thursday is going to be important. We are expecting a bit of a decline, I think, or I mean, a bit of a a rise in jobless claims is what the market's anticipating. And then the PCE and core PCE, that's inflation metrics that uh, um, is going to possibly be a mover. Um, so. Like all of that hits at uh, 8:30 Eastern time, and then we, and then the Chicago Business Barometer is an April report that's at 9:45, and then Consumer Sentiments at 10 a.m. And there's usually a, a, a release of that 
five minutes early for some reason. So um, you might see the market moving on that. There's often pivots in the market around uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. You know, that first half hour is where you get your your anomalies and your and then you, you get your pivots around 10 a.m. So keep that in mind. Um, okay. Well, I guess we can wrap it up there. Focus on other things. All right. Good luck. Well, appreciate your help there, Dave. Thanks. Good luck. Thanks. Bye-bye. Anything you have left? No, I just think this okay. AI would be a, a kind of some kind of swan, gray, black, white, because um, there was some Goldman Sachs report, too, that 300 million jobs already can be identified as being replaced instantly by some of the AI stuff that's going on, right? So this could accelerate the, the less need for actual employment worldwide, like very rapidly, and that could be extremely deflationary, right? So we went from a period of super high inflation, we could go to super deflation. I mean, who knows? Well, that's that's a good point. It, it's something that we've mentioned on the show before about it wouldn't surprise us to have a dramatic pivot. What what tends to bother me with um, monetary policy is that the decisions that are made are based on what we know is currently happening or has happened in the past. So they're, the, the data points are quite laggy in that sense. I mean, even even our leading indicators and economic reports are like, well, this was March's numbers. You know, I mean, it's not it's not May's numbers because we haven't got there yet. Forward looking in that sense, it's only past looking. Um, and so then we manipulate money flow and monetary policy and things like that. And what if that just made it worse? Like what if it had been left alone to be self regulating, self-balancing, you know, rather than interfering. So uh, I think the interfering process, if you get it wrong, could mean that where you suddenly have unintended consequences and you go from, you know, they're trying to get to a 2% inflation target, which they keep talking about. And, you know, they, they press the pedal in that direction too hard. And all of a sudden, you know, you're back into serious deflation. And there's pros and cons for both in a sense, but probably what's ultimately worse is a serious deflationary environment because then people stop buying stuff. Because if you knew that, you know, that nice jag that you wanted to buy was uh, going to be half price next year, why would you buy it this year? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's a dramatic example, but you, you know, I only speak to those jag drivers. <laughs> yeah, you see it in TVs every year too, right? Like huge TVs, like, well, wait six more months and it'll be half the price too. The same, <laughs> same principle. All right. Well, um, that's good thought there. And definitely guys, uh, watch the dollar. Uh, very important. Um, you know, be careful of your uh, small cap space. Uh, they, it seems to be one where they, uh, if you if you do get a risk on day, they really like to buy these small caps. But if the market is in a serious negative sentiment and declining, uh, then a lot of that stuff just gets uh, run over. And hedging with IWM, you really have to move towards uh, beta hedging because um, you know dollar to dollar uh, hedging doesn't help you on those big down days so you got you got to be prepared for that if you're going to 
play in the in the small cap space. It's a great place to play for you know when you get those risk on days or when you get a gap down on the market. Um, it works well too because of the higher beta volatility of the small caps. But if they gap up a lot and they were to pull back from that point, that's a risk. If they uh, open down just slightly and the sentiment's really bad and they sell off for the whole day and it'll you know end up being down three, four, five percent on average. Uh, you're gonna find it hard to, uh, you know, make money if you don't uh, stay on top of that. So, small caps, if you're gonna play in that space, they require more finesse, more art form, um, or limit order consideration, uh, more uh, hedging uh, dynamics, capital changes, taking advantage of the moves, taking advantage of the type of day. Um, so, if you're not comfortable with that, then just Continue to live in, you know, the uh, S&P 500 area of the more liquid uh, stocks. You know, it, it's more efficient, but also you don't run that higher element of risk. Okay. All right, we'll close it off. Thanks for your time, right. Dave. Good luck, thanks.